All right, turn with me in your Bibles, if you will, to the book of Psalms. Today we are in Psalm 119, and we'll begin in verse 97. We're going to read Psalm 119, verses 97 through 104, but most of our focus today will be on on the first portion of verse 97. Psalm 119 is the is the longest psalm in the Psalter, um, and it is a. We'll talk a little bit here in a few minutes about it. it is a is a psalm praising God for His Word and for His revealed will. So join with me as we read from Psalm 119, beginning in verse 97. Oh, how I love Your law! I meditate on it all day long. Your commands make me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever with me. I have more insight than all my teachers, for I meditate on your statutes. I have more understanding than the elders, for I obey your precepts. I have kept my feet from every evil path so that I might obey your word. I have not departed from your laws, for you yourself have taught me. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. I gain understanding from your precepts. Therefore, I hate every wrong path. Let us pray. Our gracious and holy God, our Lord and Father above, we do thank you for your word. We thank you for the joy that it is. We thank you that it is sweet. And we ask that as we look at it, you develop in our hearts a love for your law, a love for your word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Psalm 1 begins with the word blessed. And we looked at the fact that uh, blessing in the Psalms, blessing in the Old Testament is not just some material gain that we may get, but it is a sense of completeness, a sense of wholeness, uh, very much like peace. But that sense of completeness and wholeness in every area of our life, whether it's relationships or personal growth or... um, employment or family or whatever it is it's that sense of wholeness that comes to us and we were told in psalm 1 that that in summary that wholeness that blessedness comes through walking in the way of god and when we walk in the ways of god we are we are given life we are given abundance we are like trees planted by streams of water um, whose leaves never die and who produce fruit in and out of season Psalm 119 begins with the same word. It begins with the word blessed. And it is also talking to us about walking in the way of the Lord. And yet it focuses on the law, the revealed will of God as the means to blessedness. These these two psalms do not contradict. I believe they fill each other out. And here in the middle of the psalm today, we are going to look at what the psalmist feels about the law, and we're going to look at why he feels that way. So the first thing we're going to look at today is what does the psalmist feel about the law? Well, he declares very clearly here at the beginning of the psalm, of this passage in the psalm, what he feels about the law. He says, oh, how I love your law. Do we love law? I think before we can answer the question, do we love law? We probably need to figure out what those two main words there mean. Law and love. First off, law. What does a psalmist mean when he says, I love your law? Well, we, if we were to look at the other verses of the psalm, there's over 170 verses in Psalm 119. 
There are eight different words that the psalmist uses that are synonymous, that, are, that have very like meanings. We have the one that is used here in verse 97 as law. Other places there is uh, the word word is used. Your word, the psalmist talks about. He talks about the decrees of God, the statutes of God, the commandments of God, the rules of God, the instructions of God, and the promises of God. And if we take these three or these eight synonyms together, we begin to see what the psalmist loves. And I think we can see kind of a narrow definition of what he loves and a little bit more broad definition of what he loves. First off, actually the broad definition. We take all these eight words together and we can see the idea of instruction. Not just rules, but teaching that goes along with rules. There are three rules that if you were to understand them, you could get math. Many of us struggle with math, but there's three rules that all of math is basically founded upon. There's the there's the uh, distributive property, the associative property, or the commutative property, or each of those could be called laws as well. So each of you, now that I've given you those three terms, go out and pass all of your math tests, okay? Is that enough to help you pass the math test? No, I would need to teach you what those laws are. I'm not going to today because this is not a math class. But... Law in the scripture is more than just a set of rules. It's instruction in how to use those rules. Every word that God reveals is instruction for how we are to live. It's what one commentator says, the law is the guidebook for living appropriately in God's world. So in a large sense, what the psalmist is saying here is that he loves God's instruction. But in a, in, a, in a more narrow sense, where do we know God's instruction? It's from the Word. Some psalmists think that, the, that David was the author of this psalm, and other, other excuse me, commentators, some commentators think David is the author of this psalm. If that is the case, he would have had access to probably what we know as the law, with a capital L, the first five books of the Bible. That's where God's instruction to the king were, were in those first five books. They were... They were commanded in Deuteronomy to write those, to write for themselves their own copy of the law and carry it around with them so that they would know it and so they would be able to rule according to it. So there's a sense in which this is just the broad category of instruction that the psalmist loves, but there's also a sense in which it's the narrow category of God's revealed will. Do you love the scriptures? Do you love the Bible? Do you love God's instructions to you for living appropriately in this world? What does it mean to love? Now, I love my wife, okay? I thought I did 23, 25 years ago because every time I'd see her, my heart would skip a beat. My face would get flushed a little bit. I'd get a little nervous and a little shaky every time I saw my wife. Well, she wasn't my wife at the time. So when the psalmist says he loves the law, is that what happens to him? He, man, he opens the Bible, he gets a little jumpy, he gets a little scared, he can't talk straight, he can't do these things. Well, maybe a little bit. I mean, there is affection involved in what the psalmist calls love for the law. 
But going back to my wife, is that enough to sustain us in a marriage relationship? No, it's not. Actually, what the most sociologists say that that kind of affectionate feeling, that infatuation feeling, wears off after a couple years. And you have to have something else to keep things going in a marriage, in a relationship. And typically, what that is, is action. Now, I almost hate to admit this, but I have an app on my phone. It's a habit tracker. And it helps me track and develop good habits. And it will give me alarms during the day. And at noon every day, it won't to do it today because I've got it on silent, but at noon every day it beeps at me and it says, do something nice for Michelle. Now, before everybody says, oh man, Ike's an awesome husband. Think about the fact that I have to have an app on my phone give me an alarm to tell me to do something nice for Michelle, okay? But I show Michelle that I love her by doing things for her, by, by actions that show her that she is cherished. Not just words, but actions that come along with that. We love the law in the same way. If you read through the rest of Psalm 119, and yes, it's daunting to think about having to read 176 verses in one sitting, but it really doesn't take that long. There's this relationship between love, delight, affection, all these words that we typically in our culture think of as emotional words. There's a back and forth between those emotional words and action words. And most typically, the action words are things like obey. Things like walk in the path. He even says in today's passage that we said, I have kept my feet from every evil path so that I might obey your word. The summary verse of this particular passage, verse 104, says, I gain understanding from your precepts, therefore I hate every wrong path. See that relationship between knowledge of the law and action in our life. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. We love the law by obeying it. Now, we talked a little bit about traffic laws in Sunday school today. Speed limit laws, particularly. Now, if you know anything about me and driving, I want to get where I'm going as quick as I'm going, without any stops, without any slowdowns, Man, if I could just hammer down and go, I would be happy. But there's one thing that gets in my way. It's these little white signs with black numbers on them. And it typically tells me how fast I can go legally. Now, yes, troopers, deputies, local police departments, they sometimes they give you a little buffer zone in that. Zachary, they don't give you a buffer zone in that. Sometimes they do. But technically, on the interstate, on Interstate 64, 70, is the fastest I'm allowed to go by law. I don't like that. I don't love that law until I think about that law for a minute. What if everybody drove like I wanted to? What if everybody said, I'm going to Walmart and I'm going to get there as quick as I can and I don't care what, how fast I go, I don't care when I stop or don't stop, I'm just going to get to Walmart as quick as I can. What are my chances of making it home from Walmart? Slim to none, right? So if we look at the speed limit laws as an attempt by our government 
to restrain sin and protect me from sin, I, I might be able to like that law. Because if enough people follow the speed limit laws, if enough people stop at the stop signs and at the traffic lights, if enough people behave on the road as the law says they are to behave on the road, I have the best chance of making it back home to see my family from Walmart, from Beckley, from Florida, wherever I may be traveling upon the roads. I can love those kind of laws when I understand, when I allow God to shift my perspective. It's not just the man trying to keep me slow. It's God trying to protect me in my life so that I might have the best of what He desires for me. Think of the Ten Commandments. We're going to begin looking at the Ten Commandments next week. We're going to look at the preamble, and then after that we'll go to the first and move our way through the Ten Commandments. Is there a positive aspect to thou shalt not commit adultery? Absolutely. It's not God trying to tell our culture, I'm a cosmic killjoy and I don't want you to have fun. It's God trying to tell our culture, hey, this is the best way to live according to my will. And if you want health and happiness in a relationship, physical and emotional and spiritual, one man, one woman committed till death to his part in the name of Jesus, in the name of God. There is flourishing in being married to Michelle for 23 years and not having to worry about dating ever again. Anybody hate dating? I, I, I occasionally think about, oh my gosh, what would happen? What would I do if something happened to Michelle? I'd probably say single because I don't want to date ever again, really. But I don't have to worry about that because I'm married to Michelle. I'm faithful to her. She's faithful to me. Think of the other laws. Thou shalt not bear false witness against the neighbor. How difficult would life be if everybody just lied all the time? Couldn't trust anybody. But there's rules there in place that God has not put in place there to make our life difficult. Our life's difficult in relationship to the law because we're sinners. God has put those there because we're designed to be holy and these are the rules that we follow to become holy. But I think the psalmist also loves the law and calls us to love the law for another reason. The law does point out to me where I am not holy. The law shows me where I have rebelled against the rules that God has put in place in this world, the rules that I must follow to be right with Him, to be reconciled with Him. And the law, Paul says in Romans 7, I didn't know what coveting was until the law told me, Thou shalt not covet. And then I understood that everything in my life was driven by idolatry. The law points me to my failures and my need for a Savior. And I love the law because not only does it point me to my need for a Savior, but it points me to that Savior. Paul says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, we typically, we typically quote the verse, all of Scripture is inspired or breathed out by God, but the verse before that says, Timothy, the Scripture has revealed to you the way of salvation. God's instructions not only point me to my failure to keep the law, but it points me to the one who kept it so that God's wrath might be satisfied and so that I might have salvation through grace. 
I don't deserve salvation, but it's given to me. And that's what the scripture reveals to me. I love the law because it reveals to me salvation. I love the law because it reveals to me my my need for salvation. And I love the law. Because it shows me how to live a holy life. Brett McCracken in his book, Uncomfortable, talks about and one of his chapters is entitled Uncomfortable Holiness. And he talks about this process of sanctification that we live in. We are called by God once we are saved by God, we are called by him to be holy as he is holy. And we are to struggle to live according to the law, not to earn our salvation, but because we want to be holy as our savior, as our God is holy. But he says this, he says, Holiness is uncomfortable because we're sinners. Holiness should not be uncomfortable because we were created holy. Humanity was created holy. And that is the state to which we go toward as we live our lives and as we consider what happens after death. We will be holy again. But right now it's hard because we still live under the influence of sin. And I love the law because it shows me how to be what I was created to be. And that is holy. That's why every now and then, when we get even a temporary victory over sin, oh my goodness, all of a sudden there's this sense of peace, there's this sense of fullness, there's this sense of being blessed because I'm supposed to be holy. I was created to be holy and I will be holy And every now and then when I follow the law through the power of the Holy Spirit, I get a taste of what my eternity is going to be like. And so I love the law because it reveals to me what holiness is so that I can pursue it. So how does the law work in our life? We love the law because of what it reveals to us. It reveals our salvation. It reveals our holiness. It reveals our need for salvation. But but how does all that work? Well, the law forms the two parts of us. We think of ourselves as these two-part beings. There's the spirit and the body, or we could say there's the will slash affections and our actions. And the law forms both of those. So he opens up, Oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it day and night. Your commands make me wiser than my enemies, for they, and the they there is the commands, not the enemies, although many times our enemies are forever with us. I have more insight than all my teachers, for I meditate on your statutes. I have more understanding than the elders, for I obey your precepts. Look at kind of those description words there. Wiser, more insight, more understanding. The law, as we meditate on it, as we mumble the law to ourselves as we think about the law day and night, the law begins to form our desires. The law begins to form our wills. It begins to change us so that we want to be holy as our God is holy. Now, the Holy Spirit works through the word to do that, to change us. But as our will, our desires, our emotions, our wants are changed, our actions are changed. And then as our actions are changed, we, oh my, my goodness, I, I'm growing in grace. Let me study more. Let me change my desires more so I can change my actions more. So I can change my desires more so I can change my actions more. It's this, 
It's this relationship hand in hand of, of head and heart, head and hand, if you will, as we change our wills, as we change our desires. And as those things happen, we change our actions. If you're meditating on the words and those things aren't happening, just get some help. Talk to somebody and say, man, you know what? I'm, how do I do this? How does this work? But we are called to allow the word to change us both internally and externally. So we love the law. I guess I should say, do we love the law? How do we cultivate, if we don't love the law, how do we cultivate the attitude of loving the law and finding it, as the psalmist says, sweeter than honey to the taste? First, before we can love the law, we need to make sure that we love the law giver. God has spoken His word. God has given us His instruction, and we are blessed to have it written for us in word form. But unless you love the lawgiver, Paul says in 1 Corinthians, this is folly. This is worthless. This is a joke. You know, there's some nice things you can learn from the Scriptures. You know, love your neighbor as yourself. That's very popular in our world today. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. That's very popular today. But... You know, the, the revealed word, the revealed instructions of God deals with so much more than just that. It deals with making ourselves holy. It deals with living by a set of rules that God says, this is what I require for you to be holy. But we don't understand those. We don't love those until we love the lawgiver. And so if you have not had the Scriptures revealed to you that you are a sinner in need of a Savior, that's the first step. Talk to one of us in here. Talk to somebody and say, look, I, I think I want to love the law, but I know I really don't love God. I know I really don't love the lawgiver. How does that look? How does that work? What do I need to do? Talk to us and find out. Secondly, in order to love the law, we have to know the law. If I didn't know anything more about Michelle than what I knew about her the first day I met her, could you say that I loved her? If I didn't know what her favorite color was, if I didn't know what her favorite food was, if I didn't know what Gary Chapman calls her love language is, would you say that I love her? No, I, I can't love something I don't know. I might think I love it, but if I don't know something, I, I can't love it or someone. You know, if, if all you know about the law is the word Bible, you, you can't love the law that you don't know. Read, study, meditate, memorize. I, you know, I, I botched quoting Philippians 4, 8, and 9 last week when I was talking about memorizing. So I, I carry an index card in my pocket now. Every time I reach in my pocket, I bump that index card and I pull it out and I go, oh yeah. Okay, so the first one is the first one is true, the next one's honorable, the next one's just. And going through that list, trying to stick in my mind what I'm supposed to think about. The excellent things, the pure things, the true things, the honorable things, and I butchered it again, so you know, don't don't look it up and quote me on it. Do we memorize the law? And once again, don't think I'm a great person for that. I'm forty-eight years old. I went to a Christian school all my life. I'm a pastor and I don't know those two verses by heart, okay? Do we know the law? Are we willing to learn the law? 
And third, we have to find a balance between learning and applying. We prayed for students going to college this week, and they're going to sit in a lot of classes over the next 13 to 15 weeks. They're going to learn a lot of stuff. But if they don't do anything with that knowledge that they have, it's worthless. I can know Philippians 4, 8, and 9 that says whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, and then whatever the rest of the verse says. But if I don't actually begin to think on those things, it's just worthless knowledge rattling around in my brain. If I don't let it change what I read, if I don't let it change what I watch, if I don't let it change how I speak, then it's just worthless information. We can't love the law until we apply it and see it work in our lives. So how do we love the law? We first make sure that we love the lawgiver. We secondly know the law. And third, we begin to apply it. As we do these things, the Holy Spirit will work in our hearts. We're, we're not in this alone. God, the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit who is fully God, works with us to change our desires. To change us from looking at the Scriptures going, oh my goodness, there's several thousand pages Ike wants me to learn and to read and memorize some of it. To, you mean there's only a couple thousand pages? That Ike wants me to learn and to read and to memorize? Man, I love this stuff. But that only comes through us working with the Holy Spirit to begin to learn and to apply the law to our lives. And you know what? One of these days, it won't be tomorrow. Probably won't be next month. It may be several years down the road. We'll be reading through this and we'll come to Psalm 119.97 instead of going, Oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it all day long. We'll go, Oh, how I love your law. I meditated on it all day long. The word is powerful. The New Testament says it's powerful more, more powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. It cuts through the middle of us and it forms us to be the people of God. Let us pray. God, I want to love your law the way the psalmist did. I want to open it up and be excited to open it up. I want to open it up and be excited about what it tells me. Even the things that I really don't like, I want to be excited that it shines light into those areas. Because I am excited about the fact that it has shown me my salvation. Lord, I want to love your law. I ask that that be the prayer of every person in this room. I ask that they come upon this verse in Psalm 119. And they join in with the psalmist in excitement and enjoy and say, oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it day and night. Grow that desire in us. Change our hearts to pursue a love for your law. So that we might also grow in love for the lawgiver. I pray this in Jesus name. Amen.